It is, it is good to be here again uh, and to see, I was going to say it's good to see some old faces, but that would just be plain rude. Uh, so I'm going to say it's good to see some familiar faces uh, and uh, it, it really is great. It's also good, as John said, to be swapping with Drew today, who will probably be finished speaking by now because we kind of start at half ten uh, and uh, so he'll no doubt have done an amazing job as Drew always does. And uh, I do want to bring greetings to you from one of your sister churches, Windsor. The last time I was here, which is a couple of years ago now, it was actually exactly two weeks before the first lockdown, which is just hard to believe. But when I was here two years ago, I spoke on a prayer and about prayer from Ephesians chapter 3. Now, I don't for a second think that anybody remembers a single thing I said, okay? So don't worry about that. But this morning, as I continue your series in uh, Nehemiah, I'm going to look at another key feature, another core aspect and discipline of the Christian life and discipleship. So last time I was here, I looked at prayer. And today, I want to look at God's Word. I want to look at the place and priority of Scripture. Uh, I want us to consider our relationship and our engagement with God's Word, which is we're about to see in what we're going to look at today, has the potential to renew and revive us. I want to ask you a question. I asked this question last week at Windsor as we were kind of considering another part of the Old Testament. But do you ever feel or recognize the need to be renewed and refreshed in your faith? Do you ever feel the need or recognize the need to be renewed and refreshed in your faith? I think there are times when we sense or we discover a drop in spiritual temperature. I think there are times whenever our passion and our devotion to God seems to have been dialed down a bit. Maybe we start feeling like, you know something, I'm just going through the motions here. Even begun to drift. And we realize that we're maybe not as committed as we once were. And therefore, I, I do believe the need for regular renewal and kind of pressing reset is really important. And for the people of God in Nehemiah chapter 8, that, that renewal and that revival and that kind of pressing reset was sparked by something. It was assisted by something, inspired in part by something. And that was their desire for and exposure to God's word. And for me, this and our kind of attitude towards it and our practice with it and our reading of it is a key to renewal, both personally and corporately. And so if you're here this morning and you feel you need to be refreshed. I hope this is going to be helpful at some level. If you have a Bible, could I invite you to turn to Nehemiah 8 if you have a physical copy or it on a device. And as Jonathan says, I know Drew looked at the first, I think it was five verses of chapter 7 on Wednesday night. And if you do just look at the rest of chapter 7, I'm really grateful that Drew didn't ask me to finish chapter 7. Uh, I, I love Drew. I love him all the more now. Uh, and I also understand, so that was Wednesday night, you were looking at the first part of, of, of Nehemiah 7. And the, the last time you were looking at Nehemiah as a church on a Sunday, I think it was chapter 6. And I understand you were looking at what it means to be confident in God, in God's task, in his strength, in his ways, and in his help. Those were Drew's four points, I understand it. Of course, you all knew that, uh, and it was on the tip of your tongue. One more comment just before we read 
Uh, at Windsor Way as a church, I actually uh, taught through Nehemiah almost six years ago. And so I'm going to be using a lot of what I said about this chapter back then, which means there's at least a couple of people here who are going to know a lot of what I am going to say before I say it, okay? In fact, I know William's probably got all my notes from the last time <laughs> written in that book. So anyway, so we're going to stand together uh, for the public. Is it okay if we stand together? Uh, we do this at Windsor. I know I've done this when I've come here, but I hope it's okay. Uh, we stand for the public reading of God's word. So let's, let's stand together. The words are on the screen if you don't have a copy. When the seventh month came, this is the, sorry, I'm starting at the end of chapter seven because it kind of runs in. Set the context. When the seventh month came and the Israelites had settled in their towns, then in the verse 8, all the people came together as one in the square before the water gate. They told Ezra, the teacher of the law, to bring out the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded for Israel. So on the first day of the seventh month, Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly, which was made up of men and women and all who were able to understand. He read it aloud from daybreak till noon as he faced the square before the water gate in the presence of the men and the women and others who could understand. And all the people listened attentively to the book of the law. Ezra, the teacher of the law, stood on a high wooden platform built for the occasion. Beside him on his right stood those six people, and on his left stood those seven people. Then verse 5. Sorry, I'm rubbish at saying names. I'm just being... okay. Verse 5, Ezra opened the book. All the people could see him because he was standing above them. And as he opened the book, the people all stood up. Ezra praised the Lord, the great God. And all the people lifted their hands and responded, Amen, Amen. Then they bowed down and they worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. Down to verse 8. They read from the book of the law, making it clear and giving the meaning so that the people understand what was being read. Then Nehemiah, the governor, Ezra, the priest and teacher of the law, and the Levites who were instructing the people said to them all, this day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep, for all the people had been weeping as they listened to the words of the law. Nehemiah said, go and enjoy choice food and sweet drinks and send some of those who have nothing prepared. This day is holy to our Lord. Do not grieve for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Down to verse 18. Day after day, from the first day to the last, Ezra read from the book of the law of God. They celebrated the festival for seven days and on the eighth day, in accordance with the regulation, there was an assembly. Have a seat. So let me ask you another question. How, how does this book currently feature in your day-to-day -day life? Not so much here on the Sunday, but how does this book currently feature and is currently present in your day? -to -day? What, what part does it play? When and how do you read it? Now, I guess most of us would probably admit that we need to and should read it more. We should be more regular. We should be more intentional about, about reading Scripture. And I also appreciate that when it comes to an issue like this, same with prayer, it's not difficult to make anybody feel weak or, or weak or guilty or God at. And it, honestly, that is not my aim here this morning. But one of the striking features of this chapter that you have arrived at in Nehemiah is the place of God's Word in the renewal and the revival of the people of God. Because remember, this was the people of God who needed to be renewed and revived. And I genuinely believe that if we can kind of mirror and reflect their story with regard to Scripture, if we can embrace the four things that I'm about to share based on what happens here, then we can maybe, 
potentially experience or fuel a level of renewal and revival. I want to give you four ingredients, four marks of spiritual refreshment. And they all relate to this and our handling and our engagement with it. So the first is this. First mark, first ingredient is a hunger for scripture. Do you have that? As these people come together, there's this one unanimous cry from the heart. They say, Ezra, bring out the book. Bring out God's word. Or what they had off it, I understand that. But what they had off it was the book of the law. Because do you know why? They wanted to hear it. And as you read the rest of that chapter, the sense is they didn't just want to hear it. They demanded to hear it. And I know you here in Gilnahirk believe this, but the importance of regular reading and feeding on scripture in the Christian life can never be underestimated or downplayed. This is our daily sustenance. If we are going to survive and thrive, we absolutely need this to be part of our everyday diet and intake. As the writer of Deuteronomy, we're currently going through as a church Deuteronomy, but as the writer of Deuteronomy and then subsequently Jesus made incredibly clear, we live on this. We exist on this. Every word that comes from the mouth of God is our daily bread. This is what sustains. This is what nourishes. And I want to suggest that there is always, this is a big bold statement, okay? I want to suggest there is always a direct correlation between a drop in spiritual temperature and health and growth and a drop and a reduction in Bible reading and engagement. And I'm saying that speaking personally. And I want to be really personal and honest with you. Because I have, I recognize, as I look back over my life and even recently, there are times whenever I feel a drop in spiritual temperature. And I know how I have to engage with God's word as I prepare to speak. But that's a different thing from just taking in daily bread that nourishes my own soul. And I know, I, I, as I look back over years of following Jesus and being a child of God, my spiritual temperature drops. I can see and recognize a drop in engagement with Scripture, personally. Plus, in this job, if that's what this is, I have discovered that one of the most common traits of spiritual decline and the loss of passion and spiritual drift is a neglect and a decrease in reading Scripture. Now, I know, as I say, to some that may sound a bit exaggerated, a bit extreme. But you know something? If these truly are, I suppose this is the issue. If these truly are God-breathed divine words that have been given to us for our instruction, for our correcting, for our teaching, for our training, then without them, I'm not going to develop. I'm not going to grow. I'm not going to mature. I'm not going to stay or last the course. Because it's when I do, it's when I do read this, that I actually am listening to the very voice of God. And I feed my all too forgotten soul. And it's as I read this that I absorb this kind of life-giving, life-sustaining text into my spiritual bloodstream. And as a consequence, that then shapes me, forms me, reforms me, realigns me, renews me, refreshes me, 
revives me. James Merritt once said that uh, the primary purpose of reading the Bible is not to know the Bible. That's not what this is about. It's to know God. It's about guarding and nurturing the most important relationship in my life. And so the people of God ask Ezra, will you bring out the book? And it's that desire, it's that hunger, it's that craving that surely is a feature of renewal and revival. And this morning, if you want to identify with that, if you want to develop that appetite, then can I encourage you to make or remake that commitment today and allow that hunger to dictate your eating habits this week. So let's move on. Second key ingredient or feature is a right attitude and specifically a right attitude towards God and his word. You see, how we read, how we read, not just reading, but how we read and how we approach this book is vitally important. In Nehemiah, look at verse three with me. In Nehemiah 8, it says the people listened attentively. They gave this and these moments their full and undivided attention. And notice that they listened to God's word being read from daybreak to noon. That's like six, six hours. Like seriously. And they did that every day for a week. When it comes to Bible reading, the way we do it and the way we approach doing it matters. Give it your best. Do it when you are most alert. Listen carefully, listen intentionally, listen deliberately to every word and phrase, which, let me be really honest, is hard when life is busy and there's so much else going on. And this just, in my life, I'm just, this gets squeezed. If anything gets squeezed, this is what gets squeezed. My time with God, just engaging with that's the thing that gets squeezed when I'm busy and there's so much else going on. And so we do need, and I know I need to be intentional about this. It requires discipline. It's why this is referred to as one of the spiritual disciplines. I know that. I prefer to refer it to as a holy habit. But it does require discipline. And yet, choosing to do that can be one of the best daily choices we make regarding our use of time. Because we all have, and we know this, we all have the same amount of time every single day. Nobody's any different. We all have the same amount of time. The issue is just what we do with it. And so the people listened attentively. They gave it their best. Another insight into attitude concerns their posture. See, the minute, verse 5, the minute God's words opened, they stand. For the whole time. And there's something here about reverence and respect. There's something about acknowledging, you know something, we're not just reading from another book. This isn't just another piece of great literature. These aren't mere words in a page. These are different words. These are God words. These are God-breathed words. This isn't just about receiving information. This is about potential transformation. And so that's why we stand at Windsor for the public reading of Scripture. And I'm not suggesting you stand for personal Bible reading at home. But why not from time to time? And so, as we look at this, the practice of standing for the reading of Scripture, it's not a gimmick. God forbid. It's not a neat idea. It's actually grounded in a specific biblical incident. And so these people were attentive, and they stand for six hours. And then look at verse 6 for a further insight into attitude, because before Ezra started reading, it says that he praised the Lord, the great God. So in other words, as he looked down to read, he looked up. 
He acknowledged the author. He acknowledged God's character and majesty. There was a recognition that, you know something? God is here at the water gate. God is present. This isn't simply an exercise in reading. This is a divine encounter with the source of these words. And do you know something? When you and I open our Bibles, and I know we, we are never out of God's presence. I mean, this is one of the things. You know why sometimes when we start service, we say, God, thank you that we now come into your presence. I mean, we never leave God's presence. We know that, don't we? We never leave God's presence. But I honestly believe sometimes, you know, as we open, our, open God's words, that there is something of a sense of a real recognition that I'm not alone. We're never alone as we read Scripture. God is present. And Ezra recognizes that, and therefore, as he starts reading, he looks up and he says, praise be to our great God. And then the people immediately respond. It says they lift their hands and they say, amen, amen. In other words, so be it, so be it. And again, it's about, it's about approach, it's about attitude, because they realize that what they're about to do, what they're about to hear was potent, it was dynamic, it was important, it was life-altering, and so they were prepped and they were ready. And it doesn't end there, because then you read, end of verse 6, they bow down and worship the Lord with their faces to the ground, they hit the floor in worship and admiration. Why? Out of reverence and respect. And again, I'm not suggesting that we need to do that every time or any time we prepare to hear Scripture, but maybe just, just maybe physical posture has a part to play. And so if that resonates, why not adopt a different physical posture? the next time it comes to you personally reading God's word. Just as a bit of an aside, uh, I don't know if you've ever seen this little book. Has Drew ever introduced this little book here? No. Uh, It's called Before You Open Your Bible, and the subheading of it is Nine Heart Postures for Approaching God's Word. And it is specifically written, it's a very small book, it's specifically written with regard to Bible reading. And what it does is it actually gets us to consider what is our approach and our attitude to reading God's Word. And here, let me show you the nine heart postures. Is this how I come to God's Word? Prayerfully, humbly, desperately, studiously, obediently, joyfully, expectantly, communally, and Christocentrically, centered in Jesus. Is that how I approach? So the first ingredient for renewal and revival is a hunger for Scripture. The second is a right attitude. And then the third is a commitment to engage with God's Word. Look at verse 8. We find that God's Word is being explained and the people are being helped to understand each passage. That's a great idea Drew's introducing 2.15. Love that. I'm not sure if I'm allowed to come along, but I might come. But it's a great idea. Just that in, that desire and that commitment to engage with God's word. And they wanted to study it. They wanted to understand it. And there were people there who wanted to teach them. And engaging with scripture remains a highly, it's not just about reading, it's about engaging, meditating on studying it, being prepared as you come to church for hearing God's word open, personal study, further reflections, reading commentaries, books, other resources, all of that is good. But at the heart of it is this, is there a desire? Is there a desire and a commitment to read and to learn and to grow and to It was here in Nehemiah 8. And then the final ingredient is a willingness to respond to God's word. A willingness to respond. Our aim should always be to allow this to transform us. And here in this incident, there are a couple of personal and corporate responses. Don't know if you picked up on these. I just want to mention two that are in the text. The first is repentance. Genuine sorrow over sin. In verse 9, we read that all the people began weeping. 
as they heard the word of God. You see, God's word didn't just capture their minds, it impacted their emotions. It moved them. And as they reflected or processed what they were hearing, they were deeply challenged before God and they were reduced to tears. They knew that as they listened, they weren't what or where they should be and they broke down. And that contrite response, that repentant reaction is surely a key mark and ingredient of renewal and revival. I wonder the last time I shed a tear as I engaged with God's word and that exposed me because God's word is like that double-edged sword. It's like that scalpel that just rips me open at times and exposes who I really am. Not just to give me a hard time, but actually to help and heal me. But when was the last time I just broke down in tears before God because I recognize that his word speaks so powerfully into my current situation and context. And for these people, as they heard God's word, Red, and as they stood there, and as they lay on their faces to the ground, some of them cried in repentance because they knew, knew they needed to reconnect with their great God. But another response then is, is joy. Nehemiah and the Levites encouraged the people, look, I don't want you to stay. I don't want you to remain in this place of tears. I want you to know in that, that great phrase that the joy of the Lord is your strength. Because you have heard God's word and understand them, do you know something? You can know joy. And you can celebrate as they did with great joy. So God's word read, listened to, engaged with, meditated upon, obeyed, always, always, always brings joy, real, deep, abiding, life-affirming, life-strengthening, life-sustaining joy. The joy of the Lord is our strength. And it comes as we read and engage with Scripture. I need to finish. And so if you're here this morning, and as I started earlier, and you sensed, you know, I do sense a need to be refreshed, renewed, revived at some level in my Christian life, then please rediscover a hunger for God's word and resolve to read it. Listen to it at some point of each day of this next week. Consider your attitude and approach to God and his word. Ensure You approach it attentively, reverently, respectfully. Commit yourself to a renewed engagement with God's word. Seek that insight. Seek that understanding. Seek to discover more. Learn more. And then demonstrate a willingness to respond. Because, again, please, let's not just be hearers of God's word. Let's be those who do what we hear. And if that means repent about something, do it. And discover joy. Deep, abiding, real, life-giving joy. So just before I hand back to Jonathan, uh, I'm just going to have a moment of silence. And I'm going to give you a chance to respond in some way. I don't know if you do that here at Gilnahurk. We don't do it very often, I'll be honest, at Windsor. But I'm going to take the opportunity to do this. I'm not going to be prescriptive. I'm not going to suggest any kind of response that leaves anybody feeling uncomfortable at all. I simply just want to invite you to do something by way of response to God's word. And so we're just going to be a period of silence and then Jonathan's going to come and lead us. But if that something is one of the physical things that was brought up in this chapter, like if you just want to stand, fine. 
Mail, fine. If you want to just bow your head, fine. If you want to just pray, fine. If you want to put your face to the floor, fine. But if you just feel you need to do something by way of a response this morning, then just in a few seconds, I'm going to give you an opportunity to do it. And then Jonathan's just going to come and lead. But let's just take a few moments for you to respond to God's word.